0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith, and I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of the, the Connor, Connor Smith, Smith Show.
1: So, what's up with you? Um, nothing. I started a new acting semester with some classes today. Um... P-chain. I just had three implants put into my mouth. The posts. Just uh, the posts, right? Just the posts. Uh, I had so much creativity coming out of me that it blew three of my teeth out. Yeah. Uh, we're still looking for them, but until then, have posts. <laughs> they, they sprouted up. They sprouted out, and, uh, it's gonna cost me, uh, you know, um, uh, what, uh, five figures? Yeah, five figures. Anyway, who cares? Um... I do. Um, we, I went and saw Into the woods at the Candy Center. It was a fantastic night a few nights ago. Um, and I just opened the Snow Queen. Yeah. Which has been a fun little jaunt. Okay. Oh, good. Um, what's up with you?
0: Um, I am in my day job in event planning season, and... It's reaching that overwhelming point where there are 500 plates spinning in the air, and seemingly more get tossed into the room for me to catch every day. And yeah, that's fun. We're working on long shot. Episode five and six concurrently. Five is currently being edited by Andrew Nason, the genius. Dun, 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 dun. And six is currently in the draft uh, writing stage. And I've been working on that the past few nights. Lots of other things in the in the makings, but nothing to announce yet. So without further Now long
1: shot is including uh,
0: uh, an alumni. The latest episode that's in editing right now, so the next one to come out, will feature Matt Dice. Yes, he is a major villain, and he uh, will appear in that episode and episode six, so definitely listen to catch Matt Dice in his um, cameo, his cameo role, um, which was very cool to work with him on. Um... Yeah, so without further ado, our guest today is none other than the incredibly talented Broadway veteran, Jason Jason
2: Wooten.
0: Wooten. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Yeah. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against the world trying to keep them apart. Yeah. Listen to Long Shot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, welcome, buddy. Um, I'm sitting here with my husband and co host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 uh, hey. Hi, Matt. What's
2: going on? Not much, buddy. Good to hear your voices.
0: And we are also here with our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Mr. Wooten. Mr. Halbrook.
2: Good to hear from you, too. That's you nice. too, man. That's a, a nice surprise. Nice surprise. I like it. Hey, where are you? I am currently uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida. I am still at my studio right now. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know if you know, like, how my life has changed at all, you know, but my wife and I moved down to Florida in 2015, uh, because we were mostly doing concerts all around, and we just said, okay, as long as we're somewhere near an airport, that would be fine. Um, and while we were here, we just wanted to leave less and less, and so we came up with this idea to open up uh, our own performing arts school. And after the birth of our daughter, I think that was kind of the last thing where we didn't want to leave anymore. So we opened up our studio in 2019, I think, was when we opened our doors after a long, arduous process of finding the space and doing all the the loans and stuff to make that happen. And it has exploded since then. We have doubled in size and we're about to double in size again. And we've gone from like, you know, 10 students when we started to uh, over 400 now, I guess. I don't know. It's wow. It's That's
1: amazing. What's the school called?
2: Broadway Arts and Dance Academy.
1: In Saint Petersburg.
2: Yes, yes. So now Florida, not Russia.
1: Got it.
2: Yes, yes. Florida, not Russia. <laughs>
1: there are some similarities.
2: <laughs> there, there, there are actually Saint Petersburg is a very liberal town. It's, it's like one of the outliers of the rest of Florida. So it's, it's a, it's, it's very artsy. There's, I mean, this is where one of the only two Salvador Dali museums are in the world. Um, the the downtown when I was growing up here you didn't go downtown it was kind of run down it was all the it was all the vacancies left by all the old people that had lived here and pretty much died um, <clears throat> that's why Saint Petersburg is the city that got Florida the nickname God's waiting room because they had all these giant green benches in downtown where old people would just sit and do nothing all day. And, uh, you know, like a a reporter came back here in the, in the forties or fifties and kind of gave it that little moniker, but slowly those people have died off. And so by the time I was growing up in the eighties, the downtown had kind of become run down and, uh, it's had a an amazing revitalization. Um, we saw it happening as we would come down and visit my family that was here, and we saw it slowly happening. And once they got a Trader Joe's, that was finally the the straw that was able to convince my wife to move down here. And she's like, "Well, <laughs> she's a California yeah. girl." What was that like in the '80s? It it was you know like that was like the crack epidemic. You know like that was that was the you know the war on drugs. It was it was violent. It was you know like there was. It was it was not a nice place, you know, like you really didn't go downtown, you know, like unless you were looking to buy drugs or find a prostitute or get stabbed. That was pretty much your options. And there uh, wasn't a
0: performing arts school. So how did you kind of get into that?
2: Well, we you know, we had decided that's what we wanted to do. You know, my my I didn't grow up going to dance studios or anything like that. You know, I I really didn't even decide I was going to do theater until like about my junior year of high school um and so but my wife is that because Chris, you were in a show what's that no well yeah uh yeah I, I mean I had been doing shows and I like I just found I was I was good at it and I liked it and I was like this is this is way better than you know doing accounting you know so um <laughs> it was just more fun and I you know and I said I'll I'll write it as long as it lasts you know I didn't know I don't know how good I was I knew I was good for here you know in my town in my high school but, you know, then I got to college and I did OK in college. And I was like, well, OK, well, let's see how I do in New York. And I, you know, had some luck there. And uh, so it was it kind of steamrolled one thing into another. And yeah, there wasn't We when we came back, you know, there was there were dance studios and there were places that did you know, musicals for kids and things like that. But there wasn't like something like what I envisioned, which was a place to do everything, you know, and we have, you know, so we have all the dance classes that any dance studio has, plus we have um, drama classes, plus we have musical theater classes, plus we have uh, piano lessons, guitar lessons, um, you know, so we've kind of, you know, uh, made sure that parents could just come to one place for everything as opposed to taking one kid to music theater, one kid to dance, one kid to guitar lessons. You know, we, we tried to make it a one-stop shop.
0: So did it start off with you and your wife being the primary instructors and then it's kind of
2: Oh yeah, yeah, we grown... had one other instructor because um, my wife's, her, her specialties are tap and jazz and, you know, um, uh, ballet a little. And so we wanted to find somebody who was... We knew we were going to start with mostly young kids. We were surprised that we actually got a few older kids, you know, so that it was challenging uh, just trying to have enough classes on the schedule. But, you know, when we started out, it didn't really matter. You know, if there was like two kids in a class, okay, fine, we'll do it, you know, just to kind of keep it going. Um, uh, But we had one other instructor, uh, and she was another dancer who was doing hip-hop because that wasn't like my wife's specialty. She didn't want to do the hip-hop classes. She wanted We want to have everybody – you know, being taught by professionals, you know, people with professional experiences and backgrounds and things like that. So we, we kind of pride ourselves on that. It's kind of what sets us apart, you know, from a lot of other places is, you know, like our theater credentials. Um, uh, She was in two Broadway shows as well. So I I think that along with, we got lucky and found a great location. Um, Those, those things combined have led to our success.
0: How many other instructor uh, instructors are you up to if you're up to 400 students?
2: Oh, uh, gosh, I think uh, last I counted, I see I have two receptionists and then everybody else's instructor. So that means I have probably 12, 13. Wow. Yeah. Including my wife. and I. Um,
0: That's great. Yeah. Did it affect you opening in 2019 after that at all?
2: Yeah. No, it, it, we went from, you know, like in March of that year, we Closed down at the end of March. Uh, we shut down. We were very fortunate. the The landlord of the building, uh, he was his business was in the other half of the building, and he really he had a construction company, and we had it in our lease that we could take over the building uh, when we wanted. We could take over the entire building. Um, well. Uh, he was very generous to us and l- allowed us to forego three months of rent, you know, and just tack it on at the end of our lease. Um, and so it kind of got us through. There was also grants. We, we didn't really because we weren't really paying ourselves anything at that point, my wife and I. Um, so like we didn't really qualify for a lot of, uh, some of the other grants, um, like the, what was it called? The PPP loans and things like that. I think we got maybe a thousand dollars. It wasn't enough to really carry much. Um, but we, we did qualify for some local grants. The The city of St. Petersburg, like I said, really wanted to support the arts and didn't want to see the arts die. So they, they actually kicked in quite a bit and got us through, um, and then we found in August when we reopened. I mean, we got very inventive for the that summer. Um, I, we were supposed to do Into the Woods, I believe, was our, our show that was set to do. So we ended up doing like a uh, like a little summer camp where the kids just wore masks and we just videotaped everything because we couldn't go into a theater and perform. And that was pretty much the case for the next couple of years um, that we weren't able to do that. So we did everything on video. I, I ended up writing uh, a musical that the kids videoed and we did all in front of green screens and, you know, it ended up turning out really well. So we just had to get creative and to get through those times. We, you know, we still weren't paying ourselves. Luckily, my wife still tours with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So we had that. I was working at the time At Trader Joe's. And I don't know if you knew what a grocery store was feeling like at that time uh, during the pandemic, but it was pretty much chaos. It was it was uh, it was I worked
0: at one myself, my friend.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I was I was there uh, for six years because April actually got the job there. My wife got the job there first. And then when she got pregnant, I was like, well, you're not going to be able to work here after you have the baby. So I took over there. I took over. I got the job there. And so that way we'd have health insurance like while the our daughter was young and until we could uh, afford our own. So I was there for six years. And so for the first, you know, up until January of last year, the first pretty much two and a half, three years of this business, I was there all morning. <laughs> and then I was here all night. I was burning the candle at both ends, you know, but. I knew this place. I knew the potential of this place, and I knew all we had to do was, you know, get through, you know, the 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 pandemic. And uh, once we did that, uh, once August came, uh, the floodgates opened in 2020, and everybody just started sending their. They just wanted their kids out of the house. You know, we were in masks still. Every I was teaching voice lessons in masks. You know, I taught voice lessons virtually up until that point, and I still did some of those virtually um, for a while. Um, which is a lot of fun. I don't know if you've ever had to play piano for a student who's singing two beats behind you (laughs) because they're on a delay, Um, but it's, it's a, it's a challenge, Um, but I got good at it. And then, uh, you know, slowly we'd, we'd go in and out of masks as you know, the, the ebb and flow of COVID, you know, swept around again and again until, you know, we were finally able to hold our first recital. I think it was like the winter of 2021, maybe we finally able to hold a a recital in a theater. Um, And even then we were in masks up until like the day of the show. And then we said, okay, everybody can take off their masks, do the show, get sick and then go (laughs) come back, you know, when you're done. Um, And uh, we did that for uh, the next couple of recitals. And uh, after that, it's been, it's been nice ever since then, but it's just grown so quick. So We went to our landlord and said, hey, we'd like to take over the the whole building. And he said, well, I actually have some health issues and I'm looking to sell the building. So we ended up buying the building instead, which was, you know, really great. Um, That's I think it's kind of the only model that a studio can really be successful Um, because I kind of think of myself not really in the the performing art school business, even though that's what we do, like that's, it, it's not enough to retire on probably, you know, if, if that's all we were paying ourselves, it, it probably wouldn't be enough to, you know, get you to retirement. Maybe, you know, if like we got greedy with it and like, didn't leave the business much, but, um, but the real estate business is you know, where it could really be at. So, and I kind of learned that lesson from other people. We had some really great mentors. Um, my wife's, uh, instructor from California in Los Angeles, you know, he was very instrumental in just kind of guiding us and and some other friends who own studios were also, and to the point that, you know, we've kind of created a well-oiled machine, but that machine just keeps growing. so You have to find new oil. Right. Absolutely. And if someone,
1: if someone wants to find you an April studio, they can just go to BroadwayADA.com.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Yes.
1: And can I ask a silly question? Yes. What is it like to watch the Trans-Siberian Orchestra?
2: <laughs> it is it is a spectacle. It, it is like, you know, it's rock and roll Christmas. It's basically, it, it's if you had a Venn diagram, it would be like one circle full of music nerds and one circle full of uh, heavy metal uh, listeners and one circle filled with people who love Christmas and they all come together. It's like that central point where like music nerds, uh, heavy metal guys and Christmas lovers all come together. And, uh, so they just created this show. Um, it started off smaller. Like they were just doing some theater tours around and like, it just grew so much to the point that now, I mean, they, they're one of the, they're, Usually in the top five, some sometimes top ten of any tour that tours in the year, and they do it all in two months. They they do it all in that well, like not even two months, six weeks. In six weeks, they make as much as you know, like you know, uh, I don't know, like some of the top selling artists in the world. You know, they they uh, they put together a giant show, so it's a it's a lot of fun. Um,
1: do they remount the same show from re, like? recycling shows or are they always putting together a new one
2: well they have they have a, a pretty big catalog of uh discography you know like they have i want to say five or six albums i can't remember how many albums they have out and what they do is they every year they try and find a, a song that they haven't done in a while there, there's some that they have to do you know they have to do the dun, da, da, dun, dun, da, da, dun. that's what the one that made them really famous Um, and then, and Sarajevo 1224, they have a few songs that they, they have to do every year, but then there's some of the, some of the rest of the canon that they, they find and they find singers that are really good. Sometimes it's about finding a really great singer that they like and seeing what voice, uh, what, what song from their catalog really fits their voice. And so they'll bring that one back, uh, just because of that specific singer that sings it so well. Um, and their, their vocalists are, you know, they are insane they have some really really talented vocalists and dancers and and musicians the guys that play those the the guitarist who's the lead guitarist on the east coast tour because they have two tours they have an east coast and a west coast because they can't get all the cities and in, in that amount of time uh so they have two tours uh the east coast guitarist is actually uh joel hoekstra who was you know he was the lead guitarist on uh, the original rock of ages um from broadway Wow.
0: That's, I mean, we should go. Yeah. I, I, I love them anyway. So uh,
2: yeah.
1: I haven't
0: seen them live. I was
1: raised a Christ- Christian, so I was never exposed to that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah Steve, you is... have a question? I do. I do. I want to rewind back to the eighties uh, and early nineties. Being in Florida, um how did you come to learn about a little school called Shenandoah?
2: Uh, it's funny. Uh, I would go, I think it was my junior year, I went to SETC's. But before that, um, there was uh, a a guy who went to my high school. His name was Sam Savage, uh, who has since passed. uh, But he actually went there. And he was like, you know, he was like an amazingly talented, you know, person who taught me a lot. You know, like I had never taken a dance class, but he was a really great dancer. And, uh, you know, like taught me like how to do pirouettes and, you know, barrel turns and all sorts of things. And I was like, okay, I was like, I can do this. I, you know, I, I, I was never one to shy away from a challenge. So like, I really, you know, like ate it all up. And uh, anyway, he had gone to Shenandoah uh, a couple years before and, uh, but just ended up not being able to afford it. And I think he ended up like leaving. Um, and that's maybe when I met uh, Hal and Mac, and Tom Albert at SETC's when you would go and audition for college. Um, I think I had performed there for a couple of years in a row. Um, and they, they, they basically approached me and offered me a job right out of high school. So right, out of, like my, right after my senior year of high school, I went uh, to Shenandoah to do their summer music theater program, the Shenandoah Summer Music Theater Program. And I mean, it, I think we were getting paid, what, $150 a week to basically work all day in the scene shop and then, you know, help run the show at night. Um, and then, you know, I think maybe a couple of shows in, I got to be in the shows. I did a, I did a couple of the shows. Um, and yeah, that was kind of it. And then from there, they, you know, they really liked me and, you know, helped, you know, get everything together together. Because my family didn't come for money, so they had to, you know help me, you know, find a way to finance how I would get there. And so that ended up happening. It was just dumb luck, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I was looking for I was looking for schools that were going to show me everything, and that was kind of one of the big selling points of it. There were other schools that I knew, you know, they were more prestigious. they probably had more, you know, like famous actors coming out of them. And I was like, I, I was like, I don't know if I'll even be an actor. I was like, I, I don't know how good I'm going to be. You know, I don't know, but I want to know everything about, you know, everything about the theater, like not just, you know, being on stage and, and singing and dancing or whatever. I wanted to know everything about backstage. I wanted to know everything about like what it takes to create a show, writing music. And, you know, I wanted all of those things. And so that's what I, I really, really attracted me to the program more than anything else was like the well-roundedness of it and I like that I like the concept of the one-man show that you put together um, and it's crazy you know like I thought when I left Shenandoah I thought ah uh, you know this is all great I was like but now like I'm really I'm just really gonna go try and be an actor I'm probably never gonna use all that stuff that I learned and lo and behold as soon as I open this place I use all of those things <laughs>
1: what, was, what was your one-man show called?
2: It was like Soulmates, I think.
1: Soulmates.
2: Oh, my gosh. You know,
1: I think downstairs in my trunk, I think I have every single program from oh the White
2: Man shows. Gosh. Oh, I don't think I have that much storage. It wasn't, wasn't like Gil
1: Braswell's, like The Kid Inside.
2: Yes, yes. I don't Kathy, know why I Kathy's remember was that. was like Crosswords. Uh, it was, I remember it was like a Crossword-themed, Kathy voight was. And then Tom Schweitzer's was like uh, Clear Night, No Stars. <laughs> when did
1: Kathy Did Kathy Voiko sing um, Mrs. Bird, or is it Miss Bird, is singing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's so weird. I mean, I remember the welcome back shows from uh, Alpha Psi every year, and how yes. you know extraordinary it was to see that because you know the classes were fun and everything, but man, uh, everything else was kind of boot camp of putting up the shows and getting to know. Uh, everything about everything, yeah. It was everything, everywhere, all at all once. At once. <laughs> yes,
2: it really was. You know, like you were, and you know, on top of that, you know, everyone's away from their their families and really finding themselves, who they are. And you know, there was a lot of that going on. It's, I mean, that's what every college is, I'm sure. But you know, like we were up in the mountains, like really isolated, and so it was, it was very. It was it was very much trans it was a transitional period for m- most of us but certainly a lot for me.
1: What what do you think were some of your favorite roles that you did at SU? At SU.
2: Uh Dickin and, Dick and in Secret Garden immediately comes to mind. That was that I, it was the first lead that I did. Um but also the show that was the the only musical that I did that Lindy directed and that I think that might have been what flavored it as well, you know. Um but that, that role, I, I really connected with a lot. It it made me want to be better, not to think that I was good enough, you know, like just walking into a lot of roles. It's like, uh, I'm I'm not right for this, but so I really don't care. <laughs> you know, like there was there was a few of those roles that I did that I was like, oh, if this is just a terrible role for me. I would not cast me as this. But, uh, you know, like I'll, I, I'm just going to go and do it. Um, but some roles really, really did it. Um, 110 in the shade was another one that I did. And it's like a, it's like a really offbeat show. Um, but the, the character that I did um, just was, he was another one that was going from like being a boy to trying to become a man. And I don't know. Was, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: I was Jimmy. Oh, yay. I, I've been a Jimmy. And then another production, I've been a Noah.
2: So I've grown uh, up. Yeah. Mike, Mike King was Noah. And, Robin Higginbotham was uh, little red hat. What's her name? Snooky. Uh, Snooky. Yeah, I have
0: yeah. to play the father before I die. That's my cycle.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jason, have you been back to SU since you graduated? I
2: went once. I I went. No, maybe it was a couple. Maybe I've gone a couple times. I can't remember. I remember going back. Uh, I, I remember. Mike King was doing a show, and I don't even remember the show. <laughs> I do remember going to see South Park, the movie, in the theater. So whatever year that was. <laughs> oh gosh, I was there. Yeah, I can't remember what what was what, what show was that that I saw. Him and Robin were doing a show, and I cannot remember what it was. Um, but I knew I went back for that. Um, was it during the summer? Yeah, it was. It was during a. It was a summer musical production, you know, because Robin, I, I, I'm she probably still goes back there. So I'm Sorry, and my wife just opened the door. I mean, close this. Uh, people are leaving the studio right now. We just uh,
1: talked to Robin, um, and and Rick. I don't know if they do still go
2: back. Do they? I, I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen them go back. But uh, because now that Hal's gone, you know, who knows? Let what the people know.
1: Yeah. Well, um, when you were graduating, what year was that?
2: Uh, 1996.
1: So in 96, when you were about ready to leave, did you already know that where you wanted to move to and, how, and what you were going to do?
2: Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to get to New York uh, right, after, right after I graduated uh, because I had done Shenandoah Summer Music Theater for the past, you know, uh, I guess like two or... I did three years of it. Out of my four years there, I did it. I had done it. Uh, I did, did it before my freshman year. I did it after my sophomore year and after my junior year. So I had done Shenandoah Summer Music already. I had a lot of that on my resume. So I was lucky enough that um, I was working for the Office of Admissions as my, my job, uh, my work study, and uh, I became really good friends with the guy who was the head of the admissions office. And so they started sending me um, to different conferences to basically set up the booth for Shenandoah. Um, so they would pay, pay me basically pay for all my travel and everything to go to these different conferences and just talk to students and attract new students to Shenandoah. And while I was there, I was also able to audition for, I think it was at SCTC where they'll do a bunch of auditions. Um, and I was able to do an audition for the McHaden theater, which I had never heard of. But you know, I liked the season that they were doing. They were doing Brigadoon, Grease, um, uh, Crazy For You. Um, I'm trying to think of what other shows that they were doing. Um, but they, they, they had like a really big season uh, planned. And so it sounded like something fun. So, and, uh, so I did that and I left and I knew it was in New York. That was the other big thing. I was like, okay, I, it was like you know, two and a half hours from New York. I think. And so I was like, well, that'll be a good place for me to transition. And isn't that theater in the round? It is. It is like, it is theater on a postage stamp. I mean, it, I, I, I tell my students, I was like, this, this room is bigger than that stage, but I, and it's, I learned, I learned something very valuable, you know, doing those shows. I learned that the audience doesn't care so much about the spectacle sometimes as long as what's being put in front of them is done with honesty. And as long as we, as the actors all believed and saw the world around us, the audience kind of sees it too. I don't know. I I was always, I was always kind of amazed by what they were able to do on that little teeny tiny stage um, in the round. Um, So that was, that was a very, you know, kind of uh, growing Point there. And while I was, while I was there, I you know, met a friend uh, who was also wanting to move to New York. I met a few of those. And so I was like, let's see if we can find an apartment together. And his brother was living in New York and I was lucky enough to um, room with Rick Conway and Stephen Watkins uh, when they were living in Queens um, for like the first couple of months until we were able to find an apartment to other Shenandoah people. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: What was your journey into your first Broadway show? Now, I, I might be wrong, but I think you might be one of, what, uh, the top? I mean, you have, what, eight to ten Broadway?
2: Eight. I, I finished at eight. I stopped at eight. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Kathy's catching up. I think Kathy might be catching up to me. I don't know. She's she's close. So
1: you got <laughs> gold and she's got the silver?
2: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. She, we're close. We are like We're neck and neck.
1: <laughs> hey jason if i remember correctly
0: weren't you in a show with a guy i went to high school with casey good and justin patterson
2: yes the uh, uh justin wasn't in the show no maybe justin came in at the very end i can't remember uh was it was footloose? footloose yeah casey yeah. Is, casey and i met on Footloose, which was my first broadway show which is funny like that whole audition process was you know um a story in itself you know i had i went to the initial you know, calls for Footloose. And I think they were, hold- I can't remember which theater that they were holding them in. It was, it was one of the old theaters. Um, I want to say it was maybe the one that Phantom or Les Mis is in and, um, or was in. And uh, they, we were auditioning on the stage of that, of that theater. And it was kind of like a, it felt like kind of like a stunt, a spectacle that they were just trying to like drum up Pressed for the thing I was like are they really going to cast anybody from this anyway so I went and there was thousands of people and I got kept for a while and you know I'm not like a crazy strong dancer you know so eventually I got cut from the from the dance portion because they were really just looking for like some strong dancers because they had all the the singer cast pretty much lined up anyway so that was my first audition and then uh maybe uh, six months later you know, uh, they start seeing people again. And so they kept calling me in again, um, and again, and again, and again, and again. Uh, so like, I think I had gone through six or seven rounds of auditions for the show. And at, at this point I had told my agents, I was like, I don't want to leave New York. You know, I had, I had gone, I had done some, I, had, I was lucky enough to do some really cool things. I had gotten my equity card, um, at uh, the, the Goodspeed Opera House, working with the guys who wrote the Fantastics um, and and 110 in the Shade. Uh, and uh, so Tom and Harvey. Yes. Yep. So like I, I had been working there with them and uh, got my equity card and I immediately came back and I did this really cool off Broadway rock show called Bright Lights, Big City. Yes. Um, I yes, love it. Yes. I love it. Yeah, so we I, I I was part of that. I was uh, Patrick Wilson's understudy and <laughs> his standby, and then uh, and I just, so I just didn't want to leave. I was like I could feel like I was building momentum. I had just worked with Charles Strauss. I'd done like a whole review of his stuff with him, um, and so I was like I don't wanna I don't wanna leave. I want to stay in the city. And a friend of mine um, said, Hey, I need a favor. He's like I do this show up in Troy, New York. It's it's a Wonderful Life. They do it every winter. And he's like, I always play, you know, uh, George Bailey's uh, little brother. And um, I, he's like, but I can't do it this year. He's like, I, I, I can't. He's like, I'm, not only am I getting too old, he's like, I just can't do it. Uh, I have to go do something else. So he's like, would you, would you be able to do it for me? And I was like, fine. I was like, I, was like, I, I didn't want to do it, but I was like, I'll, I'll go. I'll do it. And like, literally, I, I get into rehearsals and we've been in rehearsals and we're supposed to open in like a week. And Footloose calls me and they say, you know, we want you to come back in and audition. And I tell my agent, I said, no, (laughs) I said, no, I was like, I am not coming back. I was like, they have seen me seven times. I was like, either give me the job or leave me alone. (laughs) And that was it. And they called like my agent called me back a few hours later and said, you got the job. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And it was like crazy. So now like I have to like try and, you know, get out of. you know like the show that I'm in and but luckily they were very gracious they were understanding I helped you know because they wanted me to come the next day they wanted me to they wanted me to start rehearsals for Footloose the next day and I was like okay so I I um I helped my understudy one of the young kids that was there I helped him as much as I could and got him like up to speed and packed my stuff and went back to New York and I actually had to live in Mike King's apartment because uh, my apartment had been sublet until the end of the year. So it was uh, kind of a so crazy experience.
0: So you're finally on Broadway, but you're sleeping on a couch.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm sleeping on Mike King's bed because they were gone. Him and him and Robin, I think we're off doing, I think they were touring with Kenny Rogers at the time, which I ended up doing also <laughs> strangely enough. Like they was were touring that, with, that they job were, come with chicken. <laughs> it should have. <It> <laughs> Roasters. Skate- Roasters.
1: Oh, yes. Ryan.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it was, it was crazy. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it all started. And just from there, once sh- it feels like a little club, you know, like the Broadway community, you know, like they're always very accepting. But once you're in it, you know, it, it just, you get, you get more uh, tuned in to what else is going on. You know, because everybody else there is also tuned in. Um, and then you lot. tuned
1: out at one point in this wonderful Broadway uh, chapter. When did you run to Vegas? Not run. When did you go to Vegas for the sit down of
2: rock? It's so funny because after. So I had done. I went from Footloose pretty much immediately into uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. And from Jesus Christ Superstar pretty much immediately into the Rocky Horror Show. Like all. All three Broadway shows back to back to back, you know? So like, and I was, and, and like my career was like peaking, you know, I, you know, Spike Lee, you know, was doing the movie rent. He was trying to put together the movie rent and he cast me as Mark in rent. And then the mu- the movie didn't end up getting made because the, they didn't want him to make the movie. They didn't want Spike to make the movie. So he didn't get the deal. So that means no. I didn't get the deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I went through like an entire, like, I mean, so many rounds of auditions. I had I I sang the entire show with Justin Timberlake. He and I sang, he sang Roger and I sang Mark. It's like surreal with Spike Lee going around you, like with his hands, like he's doing the camera. <laughs> it was very strange. But so my career was like on this peak, I, 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 I had to end up like, you know, I was on the cusp of turning down Rocky horror to, to play riffraff because I was waiting to hear from this movie. And then I got the movie. And then the next day they said, Nope, sign your Rocky horror contracts because the movie's not happening now. Wow. Uh, so it was, but it, you know, I had a lead in the Broadway show to fall back on. So it was not, you know, it was, it was it helped cushion that blow. Um, but then, uh, you know, September 11th, 2001 comes around and, uh, everything shuts down.
1: Did you and... have, a, did you have a, uh, a show Were you in the show at that point?
2: Yeah, I was, I was in Rocky Horde. So we shut down and when, when the show reopened, they wanted to bring in Sebastian Bach who had done Jekyll and Hyde and who was a really great rock singer, but they wanted to hopefully try and generate more, you know, appeal to the show. And so they let me st- I said, well, just buy me out of my contract. And I said, well, we can't afford to do that. So we want you to play Eddie and Dr. Scott. So for the last three months of the show, uh, whatever, I played Eddie and Dr. Scott, sat in a wheelchair. And uh, I had been working on Dance of the Vampires uh, like during that time with Jim Steinman and all those people. And so when the show was going to Broadway, they offered me a role in that. And that was, was that
1: based on a book slash movie.
2: It is. It is based on the Roman Polanski uh, movie, the something Vampire Hunters. Um, and then they had done it in uh, Austria, Germany, uh, as Tans de Vampire, um, uh, where it was like this really goth opera. Like this, it had a little humor in it, but it was a goth opera. And when it came to New York, you know, they uh, they cast Michael Crawford as the lead. And Michael Crawford's like, well, they're not going to, believe me as this like really cool, like brooding, you know, handsome vampire. Cause he's an old man. He was an old man. He at least had that kind of self-awareness, I guess. But so instead of it being this goth opera, they just tried to make it this off the wall comedy where they brought in the director of urine town. And, you know, so Jim Steinman, who's like wrote all the meatloaf song and is this very serious kind of, you know, like he's basically a vampire himself, you know, here he was. Um, he, uh, you know, he just it just hated it. Everybody just hated it. It was just producers fighting with directors, directors fighting with composers, composers fighting with talent. It was it was it was like Vietnam. It was anytime I meet somebody from that show and I saw them on the street, it was like, Oh, yeah, we went through some stuff together. By <laughs>
1: Lee wanting to direct the film.
2: Yeah. It was it was just it was chaos. And like literally by the end of it, I didn't know that I wanted to do theater again i really didn't i would i really just thought i was like it's this industry is just terrible it's cutthroat and like that was just like so much politics it would just it really soured the experience of broadway for me i'd never had that before and um i I remember i i i used some expletives on the choreographer at one point you know (laughs) because he was trying to blame us for the the fact that it wasn't working and uh, I didn't I didn't take kindly to that um, and I did it in front of everybody. And so but uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I really thought I was like, I, I don't know if I ever want to do see it again. And then the audition for We Were You in Vegas came up um, and they were just looking for somebody, you know, basically to understudy uh, the lead. Uh, And I I knew I knew the lead. Tony Vincent and I had done Jesus Christ Superstar together and I knew he had done it in London. I figured they were going to bring him over. Um, So and I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Vegas to understudy anything. Um, So uh, I'm not really interested And they're Like, well, they really want to see you. And I said, okay, well, I really love the music. So I'll at least go in and sing it. So they they had me come in and they had me come in and sing it and they brought me back, had me sing it again. Then they flew me out to Vegas. And had me sing for Brian May and Roger Taylor. And then they said, no, we need you to get on a red eye and go back to New York and go to the Dakota Hotel and do all the scenes and the songs for Robert De Niro, who was the producer. It was kind of a really (laughs) it was like one of the craziest auditions experiences I've I'd ever had. You know, I spent two days in Vegas with Brian and Roger and then had to fly back to act for Robert De Niro. <laughs> so it was he insane. He didn't yeah.
0: ask if he was looking at you, did you? What's that? He didn't you ask if he me? was looking at you, did you?
2: No. No, but he did say he said, "So, so you're you're from Vegas, you're Vegas town And he's and I was like, nah, "No." And Jane Rosenthal, who was the other producer, his partner in Tribeca. Um she said, "No, no, he lives he's from New York." He's like, "Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't He's like you seem like New York talent. And so I <laughs> got the job. <laughs> I got the wow. job. And uh yeah, so Tony and I ended up splitting the role. Um which was it was that was a great experience. Another transformative experience, you know. Um, you know, where I went from cause I had never I had never really done concerts or anything like that before. Um Is and- your week
1: is your is your week of, of work in Vegas equal to the same like show? Show schedule as Broadway, like Tuesday through Sunday-ish kind of thing, or
2: well, it's a little different. It skews a little later, you know, like the matinees are seven p.m. You oh, know, I love
1: that matinee! Yeah,
2: exactly. They, they had one matinee on on Sunday or Saturday that was early, but I never did that one. And like every rare once in a while, if Tony would call out, I would do it. Um, I think
1: you. I think you were in Vegas when Stephen and I flew to Vegas for like what three. Two days, three nights, think kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I remember seeing we, ads for
2: We Will Rock You. We were there when
1: Avenue Q was there. Oh and... yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Because I had I had known John Tartaglia for a while, because I, I I was I was working on this really horrible, horrible um, uh, <laughs> musical. I shouldn't say that, but it was it was just really strange. I'll say that it was strange. Um, musical, well, if you ad. don't
1: see the name, you're
0: fine,
2: yeah, exactly. But we were at the Eugene O'Neill Center, uh, is where this, this little thing was going on, which is a really neat place, you know, it's but it's like uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere, and but it while we were there. Um, I, they have a little cantina that's in the center of the campus and, you know, I would go over there and have a beer and I was, and I was meeting the people and, you know, this guy's like, oh, you should come see my show. Like we're just sitting there around playing around the piano and singing, I think Hedwig or something like that. And, uh, you know, I was like, he was like, you should come see my show. And I was like, what's your show? He's like, it's Avenue Q. And that was Robert Lopez um and so i went over and saw like avenue q and it was the funniest thing i ever seen i literally i literally called every producer i knew you know like and said you gotta you you gotta see this you gotta invest in it you know and like every single one of them passed (laughs) but uh they didn't seem to need that anyway because uh you know the proof was in the pudding eating and uh how long were you did you stay in vegas Two years, uh, just about. Um, I what got do you there... do
1: when you're in Vegas?
2: Uh, <laughs> you do a lot, my friend. You do a lot. Um, it's it's amazing. You know, our it, what, we when we went out there, we were supposed to do ten shows a week uh, for the the, the 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 We Will Rock You. Um, it ended up getting cut down to eight shows a week, but even still, we were splitting the show, so I only had to do four shows a week. I mean granted it's queen music and it's it's difficult to sing but it wasn't hard for me I I I the stuff that I was singing in there was was you know became really just second nature for me so that left a lot of time to have fun and go out and and I know a lot of the cast that we were with um you know I had it in my contract that no matter how many shows if they took it down to I, I got paid the same as if I was still doing my five shows a week you know but the uh, a lot of the cast members, the ensemble, you know, they went out there under the assumption that they were going to be making this. And then when they cut it down to eight shows a week, they basically lost 20% of their paycheck. Um, so a lot of people left a bad taste in their mouth and they left the show after six months, but I did my best, you know, cause I was still making my salary, which was even more than I'd ever made on Broadway and, you know, tried to like take the cast out like all the time and throw parties and, so it became a it became a pretty wild and crazy fun time um, like towards the towards the end. Um, I, I went through a marriage while I was out there. Um, <laughs> so we were, we both just kind of grew apart because she was on tour and I was in Vegas. And then it just kind of just fell further and further until, you know, I was kind of, you know, reborn. And I was like, you know what, I have not really gone out at all while I've been in Vegas for those first, I don't know, eight months, six, seven months. And then I was like, you know what, let's uh, let's live a little. And and then live. I did.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then did you finally get, make your way back to New York?
2: I did. It did. <laughs> another another one of the craziest stories I, I probably have on my time in New York Um I, I had put my notice in because the show that I had been workshopping in New York before I left for Vegas was supposed to go to Broadway, and, and I, I was surprised by it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was like, I don't know who's putting the money. Well, it turned out the guy who wrote the show was putting his own money into it, and that guy's name was Joe Brooks, um, the guy who wrote "You Light Up My Life." Um, anyway, the show was called um, uh, "In My Life," um, and it was absolutely nuts. the The script was crazy. The songs were he had he was a really good tunesmith. You know, he wrote a lot of jingles back in the '80s and made a lot of money doing that. And he made the film "You Light Up My Life," um, like which is an independent film, and he made a ton of money from that and from that song. Um, but he had kind of lost his mind a little bit. He he suffered from Tourette's and you know uh, uh, like uh, maybe like epilepsy or palsy. I don't I don't know. He had like some kind of afflictions, but he was kind of like a loose cannon a little bit. And uh, I had told him after the first, you know, kind of. Reading, I was like, you need to bring on somebody else. You can't direct this yourself, you know, like it, it's, it would be a mistake for you to write it, produce it and direct it. You know, I was like, I know, like there's people out there, you know, who could probably do that. I was like, I just don't think it's, I think you, it would behoove you to have somebody else to like, you know, bounce things off of. And anyway, so we, when I, I left Vegas to come back to do another reading of it before it was going to go to Broadway. And when I came back, the show was the exact same as I had left it. And I said, I can't do this. Uh, I was like, I'm sorry. And so I immediately called the producers of the show and we were Rocky. And I said, hey, is it too late (laughs) to come back? And they (laughs) said, no. And, you know, so they and they ended up uh, having me take over as the the role completely. Um, So I ended up doing seven shows a week then um, in Vegas. Wow. Uh, um. Until, until the end and then uh yeah so uh, that was it was uh and then it comes out that joe brooks you know was basically having young girls come back to his apartment and molesting them and uh it, his son like i guess killed a a model in like a fancy soho hotel and went to jail and then all of the all of the stuff came out about joe like you know molesting these girls during auditions and he ended up killing himself oh my, oh my god, god. <laughs> like it's like it's absolutely nutballs i mean he called me he called me up yelling at me when i told him that i wasn't going to come back to do the show And he was like, "You're making the biggest. You'll never work in this town again." Blah blah blah. You know, he's like, "You're making the hugest mistake of your life." I can't wait for you to watch the guy who does the role take his Tony. And I mean, he's a screen. I was like, "I hope so, Joe." I was like, "I I hope he does. I for your sake, I hope he does. I you know, I I I I just can't do it." (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that was that was my Joe Brooks story. He was he was uh, something.
0: So, you and I met in. DC at the Ford's Theater in 20, For
1: the 2015.
0: Yes. yes. Doing the latest <laughs> incarnation of a show that has changed more times than probably the Joe oh. Brooks show did. <laughs>
2: yeah, it definitely did because that show never changed.
0: Um, Freedom Song was what we were <laughs> calling it in
2: 2015. Yes. It was
0: Civil War. It wasn't whatever. It like was Civil that. War, yes. Um, and It was my second time doing it at the same theater, uh, but under a different name and with different songs and switched order and different concept. And we were doing it for the 150th anniversary of Lincoln's assassination. Yes. Which was a very kind of cool time to be there, I remember.
2: It was. I I mean, I had, you know, when I was at Shenandoah, um, there was a guy named Joe Dodd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe. Yeah. yeah. Like who had come and done some, I think he had done MAME. He had done MAME with us and he had told us, he's like, Oh, I managed the, uh I managed Ford's theater. Um That's kind of like my thing when I'm back in DC. So uh, that summer we all went there to Ford's theater and got the like, you know, private tour and everything. It was very, very, very cool. So when I got to go back again, I remembered all of that. And uh, it was, it was really, it's really just a special place, that theater. I really love it. Um, if only but, it had a green room. <laughs> that would be nice. It, but, you know, what do you expect for something built? And what year was it built? It was, oh, God, I don't know.
1: Well, you yeah. know, I don't know if you remember this story, Jason, or if I, I haven't told you it or we discussed it, but that night of the opening night reception, where was the reception, Steve?
0: It was at some hotel ballroom. Anyways, or we yeah, get yeah. there
1: and I'm there with our music supervisor, Warren Freeman. And we're kind of like, you know, talking about the show, like, oh my gosh, this moment. Yeah. And whatever, just spilling the tea about it. We're sitting at the table, and this woman was sitting with us. <clears throat> Remember this, Stephen? Yeah. And this woman said, "Have you met Frank?" And we were like, "Uh, no, 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 we haven't." And she was like, "Well, I loved the show, and I loved this, and I loved that." And we kind of start talking with this woman, <laughs> and then she said, "Well, I'll go get Frank." I'll introduce you to Frank. And we're like, oh my God, what's happening? We really don't, you know, we don't want to feel weird in front of Frank Wildhorn. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it turned out that it was his mother. Oh, yeah. She was like sitting there and it was really cute. But anyway.
2: ah yeah, she's sweet. Uh, Yeah, Frank. Yeah, so I went from Frank Wildhorn show to Frank Wildhorn show. It's one of those things, once you kind of get in his stable um, of, you know, people that he knows and trusts, you know, uh, he will definitely hire you. That whole... His whole team, you know, he kind of keeps them together a lot, you know, as much as he can. You know. It's the only reason I was in both
0: incarnations in D.C. Because yes. he knew he knew I had the chops to do it from the first time I did it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, once he, once he meets people, you know, and he realizes that, you know, they got the goods, you know, that's all he needs to know. But um, luckily this time I didn't have to play the freaking trumpet.
0: <laughs> as I did in the first one. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remember the one last thing I'll touch from that because that show, I mean, love it, hate it. It's very controversial. Does it glorify the South? I don't know. A little little bit. A little bit. But I will remember the night of the vigil that we had with the candlelight outside the theater and how beautiful seeing that street filled with all the candlelight. It was amazing. And then we processed out of the theater, but the thing that ruined it, um for me was I don't know if you were around me or not I want to say probably you were maybe I was always somewhere with Sizemore um yeah Yeah. um some guy said are they bringing up the body oh yes I I feel like you were near
2: yes I was yes I remember that he's it's not like he's he's been dead for a long time <laughs> they're not reenacting the the assassination it's not still up there
0: in the booth mister <laughs> are
2: they bringing out the body oh my
1: oh goodness. god the
0: crazy people I... um at any rate uh not to i just i just had to touch base with you on that because it was honestly the first time i because you can't you graduated right before i the same year i uh arrived Mm -hmm. so uh that was kind of our first kind of uh meeting yeah
1: what year was that
2: 2015
1: so that was so jason that's kind of right before you moved back down to st petersburg
2: no that was when i moved down to st petersburg that i i had you would come back yeah i had i had just bought my house um in january when did we start rehearsals it was like what february march it was cold out that's all i remember yeah it was february or march that we started rehearsing and i so i you know when we moved down here um the original house we couldn't get funded for our the original house that we were gonna buy so like we kind of got left in limbo for about three months um uh, so we ended up having to scramble. My wife had to go on tour. She was on tour and I just had to look around and like, I got lucky and found this house and she pretty much had to buy it sight unseen. She didn't really get to walk into it until the day we had to sign the papers and <laughs> it was too late to back out at that point. So like, but she, we, I, she basically moved into the house on January 1st. And I think a few weeks later I said, I got to go, I got a job. And so she had to kind of get the house all together. At that point, um, yeah, it was kind like, of crazy. Well, thanks for
0: leaving me to figure out this whole house.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, well, I had—I'm the one who had to find it and buy it. <laughs> so, so that was your contribution. Yeah, exactly. So you know, that's kind of what we do now. You know, like I—I I do pretty much handle all the business here. Um, you know, I do all the payroll and the you know the the acquire acquisitions of buildings and hiring and things like that. You know, and she, but she teaches like twenty-five classes, so. You know.
0: Well, we we kind of covered the school up front. Is there anything else besides the website that we'll put in the, the podcast notes um do you wanna promo or talk about?
2: No, no, it's it's all good. Like we are literally at capacity right now. We're gonna expand in August and then hopefully we'll be able to let more kids in. Right now we're we're close to capacity. So uh we're hoping come August we'll be have some more teachers. if any shenandoah dancers you know are looking for you know uh nice sunny weather because it's beautiful here it was like it's like i want to say it's 78 80 degrees outside right now it's it's absolutely gorgeous it's been like this all all winter so it is a good place to be you know at this time of year it gets a little hot you know but no hotter than new york in the summer if there
0: are any su dancers who want to contact you they can find you via the website and
2: take it from there
0: but uh we've had several on so who knows
2: Yeah, exactly so yeah we're always looking for you know people or if people you know we're the next thing we're probably going to get into is franchising you know because we i went through the whole rigmarole and we've learned so much and helped streamline the process of everything that we do that anybody who's looking to get into that you know Give you know, contact me and I, I can certainly help point you in the right direction or we can even discuss, you know, franchise options for people. We can waiting. we can open up the uh, Arlington branch of your school here and Matt and I can. can take it over. You can, you know, like you really just need, you know, you need one person who's, you know, good with music, uh, can teach voice and piano and then one person who can teach dance and, you know, you need a couple people who can teach dance, but, you know, you need a couple of those. But then you slowly grow and grow and grow like we have. Really good at, like, desk dancing these days, you know. <laughs> like, you are? Yeah. Chair, yeah, yeah. I'm chair more of a dancing. Chair dancer, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's me too, you know. I can't maybe.
0: support my own weight anymore, <laughs> um, but I, I just move my legs. I'm kidding. Um, well, Jason, it's been a, a delight to hear your voice and catch up with you. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, and- love you, buddy
2: love you guys, too, man. It's so great to hear from you. And don't um, be a
1: stranger. We've got all your contact. like. And we're coming down. Let's see. It's uh, Thursday. We'll be there Sunday.
2: <laughs> all right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. You, you might have to sleep on some costumes uh, if you're coming to my house. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Um, have a good night. Thank again. you. You both as well. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank
1: you, Jason. Thanks so much for talking to us, Jason. It was a blast to catch up. Yeah, and best of luck with everything. It sounds like you've got a lot going on, as always. Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, So, till we meet again, my friend. uh, If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. You can follow us on social media under Connor and Smith on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon, and tiktok and yeah we do have a patreon page if any of you thank you to all of our patreon supporters for sustaining us with your gifts um if you want to check into what it means to be a patreon supporter of connor and smith uh we'll put that link in the podcast notes thanks so much for that um and Oh my gosh there is a helicopter there's been lots of helicopter activity tonight we live really close to the pentagon but there's a lot and it's right outside our house anyway um there is a discord board if you want to check it out leave photos that you don't want on normal social media um, check out the Discord board. It feels like a safer little space. Say hi to your alum. Join the group. Lots of friendly folks in that room. Thanks to all who participate on the Discord. We love it. We love to see it. Um, and other than that, uh, I guess just we will we will keep rolling out episodes. And we have a whole bunch more to record in the next couple weeks. Trying to keep tracking down everybody we want to talk to and if you're listening and we haven't talked to you yet and you want an interview with us we're coming
1: for you yeah
0: just send us a little note um we'd love to talk to you we'd love to broaden this experience there is an alum reunion event april 1st at the fred Glaze studio theater at su um i i think the alum office has details on the website if you want to check that out or message me if you want more details we're still not sure if we can make it or not. Our schedules are a little bit nuts, but um, we just want to keep passing on the information that it is an SSMT alum event. So if you've been in SSMT, go check it out. Um, all right, that's all for now. Bye! Bye! Bye.